evening and welcome to Football Bloody Hell. Time for some more football banter. And on the show tonight we've got Gavin Cheatham. Mr. Sarcastic, Ricky Hyatt. Dave Hilda Pryor. I'm here. We've got a special guest that I'm not going to tell you who it is yet. And we've got little Romy from Yeovil College. Sit back and enjoy yourselves. Have a gin and tonic or a vodka and tonic, and uh, we'll get the show underway. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of Football Bloody Hell. And Wednesday has come around very, very quickly. This week, and as you can hear, that voice in the background was Mr. Aidy Hopper. So we'll start with you, Aid. How are you doing today? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Rick Hyatt is here as well, who joins us. How are you doing, Rick? Uh, not so bad, mate. Not so bad. Thanking excellent. you. Excellent. I'm going to attempt to go to the household of Gavin Cheaton to see if he can hear me. Can you hear me, Gav? I can. Evening, Dave. Evening, everyone. Look at that. It worked. Excellent. You've done your bit now, Gab. You can go home. Um, yeah. I was going to say go home. You are home. You can log <laughs> off now. <laughs> As you normally get your uh, internet issues. But we're delighted to say that uh, completing uh, the set tonight is former Yeovil Town player Mickey Engwell joins us. How are you doing, Mickey? Yeah, all good. Thanks. Yeah, looking forward to it. Good to be on. Good. Well, we're glad to well, have you on. I'm glad you said that, Mickey, because... We are going to start by uh, just firing some questions your way, if that's all right, because obviously you were at, um, at Yeovil Town, obviously for a spell in your career, um, between 95 and, and 98, I think it was. Um, do you just want to sort of touch on your, should we start with your, your fondest memories of Yeovil Town and um, what you can remember from the, from the mid to late 90s? Yeah, uh, certainly remember the crowd base. I mean, um, coming from from London Essex over into Yeovil, it's uh, I followed Graham Roberts Graham, when Graham was manager. Um, so some of the fond memories was obviously the game with two thousand locked out against Enfield and winning the league and making their conference debuts and things like that. But it was one of the fond memories is obviously the crowd base, uh, large crowd, especially at home and, and a fantastic following away, which obviously helped us. Um, to achieve what we achieve. Where does your time at, at Yeovil rank in, in in comparison to the rest of your career? Obviously, I'm bound to be biased by asking you that question. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah, it's probably three of, three of the best years of, of my footballing career. I mean, even when I played pro football, it's um, coming out to, uh, to Yeovil, as I said, with the amount of their head and the expectations of the club. Is, yeah, it's probably three of the finest years of, I've ever had. Mickey, who was in the team when you were playing for Yeovil? Um, 
Jerry Gill, Rob Cousins, Ward Patmore, Tony Penikin, Gull, uh, Steve Brown, Lee Harvey. Um, ben Smith. Well, we had, we had centre-forwards in Howard Fullington, um, Dean Birkby. I mean, we had we had so much talent. Grant, Grant had a 16, it's got a 16 to 18 players, but um, all of, you know, all very accomplished footballers, so... You had to be at your best game to stay in the side. If you didn't stay in the side, there was always someone to replace you. So I'm sure the others would agree with that. It's um, It kept you on your toes. Because I, I heard a story, which you can probably confirm. Um, a, a group of you, it was Ben Smith amongst your... Was he there when you were there? No, no. He must have been after... He must have been then. But I know Warren was. Um, and you, as I, the story goes, you all piled into a car that uh, they rented from the car shop in Yeovil. And yep. uh, as, as I understand it, by the time this car got back to car, car shop after a season of you lot driving it down back and forth from London, it was a walking wreck. Does that sound about right? Yeah, very much so. We, um, Because of the journey, we used to take turns in driving, obviously. Yeah. And rather stupidly and immaturely, we used to uh, have a better suit to get home the fastest from the over back to uh, to race, so the car was certainly, uh, you know, yeah. giving its run for its money. So yeah, it was um, it was a wreck the time we'd finished, but enjoyable. Yeah, what was it anyway? You... It was Peugeot. I think it was a Peugeot four hundred five. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay, Dave. Carry um, on. Yeah, but I just wanted to direct it to you because obviously you've been a um, a lifelong Yeovil fan. Do you have fond memories of uh, of Mickey playing? Yeah, I do. I was at, I'm just entering my 45th year as a glover from the tender age of nine, in the mid-50s. So, um, yeah, I remember that game against Enfield. I was in the Navy still at the time, so I was based in Plymouth. And I always used to swap. We had quite a lot of Tuesday games, not just Enfield games. So I always used to swap my duty. So I was always working on a Monday. So I would have the Tuesday afternoon off so I could drive back get from Plymouth, get back about mid-afternoon, have a couple of hours kit, then pick the missus up from work quick bit of tea and then get to the game. So I was one of the lucky 8,000 to be inside the game for that Enfield Tuesday night game. And uh, didn't you score the opening goal, Mickey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pretty fond memory of that. People say it was a, it was a cross, but it was definitely um, a miss-it chip to the back. Like so. yeah. I took and all the credit you can playing left-back. So, um, yeah, and then I think Paul Turner made it too, didn't he? Fed it, yeah, we were turning up in six minutes. Yeah, I know it was early. I didn't realise it was that quick. And then um, Enfield come back. But I think we ended the season unbeaten at home, didn't we? Yeah, it was a, it was an extra special season. I think I think we won it with 103 points and they come second with 101. So, um, yeah, it was a hell of a season that season. And I remember driving back at like stupid o'clock the next morning, uh, about half five to get back to the ship. Uh, we were all like, John Fry was on Five Live and, um, you know, we made not just local but national headlines because of the size of the crowd for, like, what was uh, the sit-tier game. Yeah, yeah, so, as I mean, you, you, you weren't aware of that. Well, you was aware of that, certainly, when you come out, but you weren't aware that it was 2,000 locked out uh, in, in an ISIS uh, football match. So, um, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just fond memories. It was brilliant. And, you know, as I said to you at the start of the conversation, with the Yogles following... And what they've achieved, it's um, it didn't surprise us. What was it like playing with Graham Roberts? Uh, yeah, interesting. Um, very interesting. He's, uh, you know, he's 
you, you see what 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 you what you see on the tin you got from Graham is I mean if you were slacking he didn't um, he didn't worry about not selling you and um, he was obviously still playing then player manager so he was quite ruthless some of the quicker lads in the uh, in the five cycle keep ball certainly come off uh, worse for wear if they decided to dribble, you know, dribble past him but he just had an aura about him he um, he, he took um, interest in what building a side. From Essex all the way through to Yeovil, from Bath players coming in from everywhere, but um, he cracked it. He got um, sixteen to eighteen quality players together. What was his um, approach to the game in in the context that you know, obviously, a, uh, an ex pro that had been right at the top, and and then there he was down in in the, what league was it? Isthmian League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there he was in the Isthmian League. Uh, I mean. You know, did he? How did he sort of um, keep everybody together? Because clearly, uh, and this is a great respect to you and your teammates. He was obviously better than you in the well. He should have been anyway if he was a ex-professional with Spurs in England and Rangers. Yeah, as I said to you, he just had a, an aura about him, and you, we all knew uh, what he wanted. He made it clear of what system we was going to play and what we needed to do, and. Uh, and you just tried your utmost to, to, to obviously not let him down. Um, and it gelled. So, you know, but we obviously knew what we had to do through him because he, uh, he got some good players together. So, very well drilled. Um, you know, last one to go out, a little bit superstitious in himself, but um, a big presence in the changing room. And he was just ready to play for him. Yeah. Dave? Um, Mickey, I've got here that um, in terms of um, where you played on the pitch, that you were sort of registered of both as a defender and, and a forward. Is, is that correct? Yeah. Um, I started in professional career for South End United. Uh, I played up front. Yeah. So I started off as a centre forward and uh, managed to grab a couple of goals on my league debut. Um, but Went to a few clubs, went to crew on loan and different things like that. And then um, I found myself getting a little bit slower. And then I think it was it was one of the seasons that they introduced the wing-back system. So um, I went from up front to wide left and then sort of like played the wing-back system. And then ended up playing as a wing-back left-back. So I thoroughly enjoyed it there, I might add. Yeah, it was very good. Um, different because you can see all the play in front. You so I say very different because I imagine yeah. the demands will be quite, you know, need to be very fit to do, to do that role in particular. Yeah, because as a centre forward, you play most of your game with back to goal, which um, playing it as left back is it's all in front of you nine times out of ten. So, but we was blessed at Yeovil because we had some hard work in centre forward, so it made our job a lot easier. You're not trying to suggest was it was a hard work in centre forward, are you? <laughs> I'll, I'll keep him from one side. I'll just say about how we're fighting the nine pickard was it just <laughs> was a target man for and through, but knew where the net was. I might add. Yeah, that's for certain. He did. He did. Mickey, if I can ask, I can see that you also did um, dip your toe in the management game as well with with Boar and Wood. You, are you able to just sort of talk about that experience and how you found it? Yeah, just, as, again, I ground left and went to Boar and Wood. So, uh, and that was the year that, um, you know, we all make wrong decisions. That was the year that I left the overall. Uh, probably the biggest or the worst decision I made because I was offered better terms then uh, to stay. But I decided to follow Graham and we went to Borwood. And I was coming towards the end of my career then, 32, 33. So I played the first season as a player and then 
bit as player manager and then they, uh, Danny Hunter offered me the job as manager, which is totally different. Um, you know, you've got more worries with when you're a player, you've got 10 other players out there with you. When you're a manager, you make calls on your own. So uh, it was hard, enjoyable, but hard. And um, yeah, certainly a learning curve for me. Not something that you would look to do again? Um, no, I don't think so. I have been offered, well, I've been uh, as Luke's assistant forward since. Um, so I've had a couple of seasons with Luke in the conference, but the management side of it's a whole different ball game. So I'm still very, very fortunate to be able to earn a living coaching and, uh, and teaching the, the BTEC in sports. So football served me quite well. Um, so I've been very fortunate. Well, that's going to lead into my my last question directed straight to you. You'll be pleased to hear, um, which is, um, would you be able to just let the listeners know sort of what, what you're up to now? Yeah, I work at Avery Football Club um, and they have uh, like a teaching element there. So it's called um, BTEC. So they do their BTEC in sport level three, level two and level three, uh, where we teach and coach. So on a daily basis, five day week, they come in and get their education in the morning. Uh, we train them in the afternoon so as I said I've been very fortunate with that and it just keeps me ticking over albeit I'm 57 now so I take a little bit of a back seat and I let the younger coaches do all the work and I just advise so hey, yeah you don't look 57 old dog I'll tell you that well yeah don't look it but definitely feel it yeah I know what you mean <laughs> okay then moving on to to all things Jovel Town um in the current state of play because the fixtures, the highly anticipated fixtures um, were announced today. And if you haven't seen it, where have you been? But I will just recap, I've highlighted some of the key dates uh, in the calendar. So the opening game will be away at Hemel Hempstead on the 5th of August. And then the first home match at Hewish Park where will be Yeovil entertaining St Albans on the 12th of August. Um, and then obviously there's derbies in there that we can look forward to this season. Western is going to be away on a Tuesday night in early September. Bath is a October fixture on the 14th away on a Saturday. Weymouth at home is a 24th of October on a Tuesday evening. Torquay away. Yeah, is also a Tuesday. This is not really good for Three Valleys Radio, eh? That a lot of these derbies are going to fall on a Tuesday night away from home. But I'm sure that we'll be able to to sort something out. There's just some key fixtures. The Christmas period, it's Taunton back-to-back as well on Boxing Day and New Year's Day. Um, Rick, I'll come to you first. Uh-huh. You in particular have spoken about the excitement about and the aura around the club at the moment. And now the fixtures are here. We can really start to uh, chew on it. What have you made of the fixtures and how they've fallen? I think it, it's good that it really, really uh, tests my knowledge of Hemel Hempstead. Fifteenth uh, last season, I can see. Um, so it's not a bad fixture, really. Not going to be. You would assume just going by the by the form table. They looking at the last five games. They've got two points out of the last five games. So unless they've undergone a massive restructure. It might not be the worst game in the world to get off to a start and hopefully hit the ground running with an away win. So it's not been too bad there. But other, otherwise, it looks... I don't, I, it's so difficult when you go into a league, and especially a league that you've not necessarily, for whatever reason, paid an awful lot of attention to. So a lot of these games, certainly from my point of view, they're going to be uh, going into the, into the dark and you're led by uh, what 
they've done the previous season. And like most leagues, it, it sort of takes a few weeks, doesn't it, before things settle down and you get to see who are the form teams. But it's not... The, looking at the early early fixtures, I don't see any reason why after that first month that Yeovil can't be in a, in a position where they're where they're challenging at the, at the right end of the table. I mean, from my limited knowledge of, uh, of the teams they're going to play, it certainly could have been an awful lot worse, put it that way. How do you see it, Gav? Yeah, it would have been nice to have started with a home game because we can't remember last time you actually started a league campaign with a home fixture. But um, after the uh, initial tra- trip to Hemel, it's nice that we've got two home games in four days. So, like Rick said, there's nothing to fear in that first half a dozen games. And we can get some um, positive result from the first year and get the crowd picking up. Then um, we can go into the uh, first of the local derbies in early September away at Western with, um, you know, with a good head of steam and a good few points and some W's in the bank, which we haven't had a lot of in the last few seasons. Rick, do you do you? Uh, I'll ask you this question: Do you think it's going to be harder? Uh, for Yeovil um, to get out of this league, obviously playing in it many, many years ago myself. I just think Yeovil being a, such a big club, Rick, that um, everyone's going to be gunning to beat. This is this is the thing. Before uh, the takeover, I think most people were fearing for the worst because it looked like a lot of players, were we going to hang on to National League players and what have you? But um, I think under the new ownership, which in itself gives the club a bit of a... a, bit of a, a kick up the bum sort of thing. I think, yeah. right, Yeovil are going to be the skull in that division. It's everybody's everybody's cup final yeah, yeah, yeah. coming to Hewish Park and then mm. also hosting it. So that, that's a bit of a, that's an issue in itself. But then yeah, having said yeah. that, the club have been on such a such a downer for the last last few seasons. I was trying to remember the last time we got back-to-back wins. So you've got, you've got to take the positives out of it. Yeah, and of course. People are in the division, their division... The division they're in for a reason, yeah. But you would hope, and with the, with the players that have been signed, and more importantly with the players that have been retained, I think there's absolutely no reason why um, you know, we can't have a really good, really good go at it this season. But you'll know yourself. It's it's a football's about momentum, isn't it? You get oh, wins behind yeah. it. Yeah, definitely. It yeah, I just hope they do. As you say, it's uh, it's about time that Yeovil had a run of fortune, really. Um, got some results together and should be playing football where they should be playing football, which we all know is in the football league. Yeah. You know. Mickey, when you were playing, though, um, did you ever come across a situation like that where where Yeovil, well, not necessarily just Yeovil, I mean, you've got a few decent teams there, were in that position where you were the the scout that everybody was trying to take? Well, as I said, Eddie, I mean, let's, let's, put, let's put it to the table. Yeovil, with their cut line, is, is such a big team. It's... Uh, yeah. No disrespect to some of the other teams in there. They haven't got the background of Yeovil Town. They haven't had the cup runs. They haven't had this. They haven't had the crowd of five, six, seven, eight thousand. So yeah, of course. Uh, and that's why I put it to Rick. It, you're still going to have the, the support because the supporters are mad for football. But when other teams come and play at Bridge Park and see that, it automatically raises their game. So it's not a forgiven that Yeovil uh, are going to find it easy because other teams are just going to raise their game. Are there many teams uh, in the league now that were were around in your day? Um, Hemel, Hemel. I heard you say Hemel. They was around. Um, Bath, 
when I first come to Yeovil, we all had the derbies in the cup against Bob, which always interesting fixtures. But um, Western and teams like that now are new to me, so I, I, I haven't really got any. Eastbourne, Hampton, that. and Richmond. Hampton and Richmond were in, yeah. They've always been there or thereabouts. But um, um, as I said to Rick, it's going to be difficult. But with the players that have stayed on it, yo, well, I can't see it being a problem. Let's hope not. Well, I was just going to touch on that because, um, Gav, I'll come to you. Dover away on the 20th of April. Um, it will nice to be see to see the uh, the trophy lift by the seaside. Yes, <laughs> certainly well. Or even, or we could be... He's gone. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Adil, I'll, ask you, I'll uh, make the same comment to you. But, um, yeah, it is... Dover away on the last day of the season and um, watching the trophy lift um, underneath the the glistening cliffs of Dover that would be quite nice and poetic wouldn't it? It would be lovely wouldn't it yeah definitely and uh, I mean Mickey I don't suppose, have you followed the, the, the last sort of month six weeks where we were you know tottering on the end of, of administration and then suddenly Martin Hellier came to our, our aid and bought the club now and it's such a a different feeling around the place. Have you been following that? Well, yeah, I've had some texts from different supporters, funny enough, um, that all's going well. And, uh, you know, I'm just only too pleased that, uh, as I said, as Yeovil started to have a little bit of luck, um, or more to the point, had a bit of backing. Yeah. Because it's, it's too many years that, it's, uh, that they haven't. And, uh, you know, I feel the club's been mistreated. Um, obviously, still look out. It's one of my first things on when, when results come out on Saturday. I always look and see how they've got on it. It's been hard for me to take, as you know, Eddie. I've been down there a couple of times and bought yeah, yeah. and watched a few games. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly been disappointing. But let's hope things change for the good. Well, I tell you, if you could see that, if you could see just what's happened to the club in the last five weeks, is amazing. He, he, you know, he's he's attacked it, and and it's it's just amazing that and and none of none of the things have, have have incurred huge cost. It's it's more a question of a a desire to get the club looking ship shape in Bristol fashion, which he has certainly done. Um, for example, just little things like they've been over all the seats with a, a hot air gun of some sort. I don't yeah. know how it works, but it's brought them all to the original colour again, rather than being all faded and horrible. And just little things like that make such a difference to the, the stadium. And you, you walk in there now and it feels like a, almost like a brand new stadium with all the seating like that and everything, you know? So it's, it's yeah. all, everybody's, on a high, without any question, Martin Hellier is really, he's really doing a job on it. And, uh, you know, we, we've now got to get the team to sort of follow suit now, you know? Well, that leads into the next point. As Rick, as Rick said, it's, it's about momentum. So, you know, yeah. with all that going on and the club better, it's, uh, hopefully it's a good footing for him to, to push on and progress. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because on the, on the field... Um, we now have a couple of new signings uh, to boot since we spoke on Monday. Well, I say since we spoke on Monday. I think the news was just breaking as we were were in mid-record, weren't we? So we'll yeah. touch on the fact that uh, Yeovil have brought in uh, Frank Newble from, um, well, his contract um, was up at Torquay because he only had a short-term deal there. But that one's a very interesting one, purely of the basis that it was well-documented that it was all pretty much nailed on to sign for Yeovil and then we all know then what happened with the stewardship etc and it kind of fell by the wayside the fact that um, Mark Cooper's managed to get his 
man at the second time of asking, Rick, just shows how much faith he's got in him. Yeah, I think it was uh, he was very disappointed not to get that one over the line last season. You could you could tell he was uh, a bit frustrated about that whole situation, and uh, he's finally got his man. So hopefully, you know, we've got some uh, gone from famine to so, feast. In, in so I was going to say suddenly we can't move for strikers, Rick. Really. I know. They've all turned up all at once. I mean, last season, there, there was a possibility that you could have got a game up front, whereas I reckon you're well down the pecking order this year. <laughs> yeah, Gabby, there, are you back? Yeah, I am. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, that's all right. So um, just touch on Alex Whittle as well. It's it's um, sort of been documented, really, that Yeovil will need a, a right back and he's going to come in and looks like he's probably going to slot straight into that position. He's a left back, is he not? Oh, I thought he replaced Jamie Record. Thought he replaced Jamie Record, like for like for Jamie Record. Ah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, and it's interesting, like, because the uh, former stewards have gone to York, and obviously Zebra's gone thereafter, brought in by them, and he's gone there. And then two days later, we're doing business with York again, and um, we're bringing in Alex Whittle. So uh, had a lot of experience. Um, Worked with Cooper before as well, yeah. Yeah, at Forest Green, which Mark Cooper likes quite a few of this squad have played for uh, the gaffer before, which is always a always a good thing when you're familiar with each other's uh, work ethic. So um, yeah, it's um, and to get Frank Newblay to because Torquay fans were probably hoping after he spent the tail end of last season with them that he would be favourites to rejoin them. But um, yeah, good good to do business and like you say you know there is question marks hanging over the fitness of uh reese murphy and jake hyde but with um new blade there it's just uh we've got an embarrassment of riches and it's, it's um unless there's going to be any outgoings before the season opener in a month then um we've got a uh, we're building a good squad of around 2022 which is what you need in this league because the games are as well as and of course we come into the cups earlier this this season, don't we? FA Cup and FA Trophy. So mm. hopefully we're going to play a lot of a lot of games because we have good cup runs as well, as well as a good league campaign. And um, we're going to need that sort of depth in squad and at least uh, two players in each position. Mickey, when you were playing and and you had um, competition for your position in the in the side, how much did you think about it? How much did it um, motivate you to? Make sure you were playing to the top of your ability. Yeah, well, you you always you always want to keep your place um, in the first team. So, particularly Graham Graham got eighteen. I think it was a squad of eighteen, but, um, all exceptionally good players uh, that could come in and do a job if you weren't performing. Um, as luck would have it, I was in 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 the squad uh, most of the time, other than through injury. But yeah, certainly competition for places in everywhere. I mean, you look at the front line: Warren, Owen, Dean Burkby, uh, Giuliano Grazioli coming on loan. So I mean, yeah, just quality all over the park. Hmm. But it did it did sort of noticeably push you, as it were. Yeah, yeah, of course it did. Yeah, so yeah. Um, you knew you couldn't rest on your laurels. Uh, a couple of bad performances, and you'd have someone taking your place just as equal quality. So yeah, it definitely kept you on your toes. Yeah. Um, just a reminder as well for people who are listening that obviously the new season is getting underway and with the fixtures announced now as well that Free Valley's radio are looking for 
for extra people to join the team. We'll always be pleased to to hear from you. So do sort of reach out on our socials or contact us on info at threevalleysradio.com. And um, and we'd love to hear from you, wouldn't we, Aid? We certainly would. If you fancy yourself as another, um, I'm just trying to think, Martin Tyler or something like that, we desperately need a couple more commentators. Or Dave, or Dave Pryor, maybe. I was going to say that. that you're, you're on a pod with Dave. And you go straight over his head. Yeah. People might want to be Dave Pryor. You don't know that. Well, that could be their true. aim in life. Yeah, they, they might want to be Jeff Shreves as well, for all I know. But uh, you know. I don't think Jeff Shreves wants to be Jeff Shreves right at the moment, does he? Well, you'll get another job. Well, Sky don't want him to be Jeff Shreves anymore. No, but he'll get another job, won't he? Of course he will. Yeah, of course he will. Yeah. Well, he will, if he, he will if he emails info at threevalleysradio.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jeff, if Jeff, you're listening. If, if you're listening yeah, yeah, pick us up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, but, but no, Dave's right. I mean, we do need some more commentators. And, um, you know, there is a benefit to it because you get to see the football for nothing. So that can't be bad for a start. And, uh, well, it's, well not just, it's not just the players that get fatigued, is it? We've got careers, jobs, and we've got to try and sort it around everything else. Yeah. So if you get sick of hearing Dave or uh, Thorpey. Thorpey, for heaven's sake, then, uh, yeah, you've got the opportunity to come in and have a go. It makes sense. Yeah, so give us a shout on uh, email on info at threevalleysradio.com, as David just told you. Um, did you play with Thorpe, uh, Mickey? No, no. no. You know no, him, though, no. I expect, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. Everyone knows Thorpe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mickey doesn't look that old. He, would, he was, yeah, definitely after Thorpe. Yeah. Yeah, trust me, Rick, I am that old. <laughs> I just looked on your Wikipedia. You're younger than me, so... Um, yeah, but Wikipedia, Wikipedia always get it wrong. Well, yeah, you know. Go on, Gab. Is it, uh, Mickey, is it true that, because it was you and others, there was a lot of London-based players in the squad underground, Robert, so you used to train one day a week in London area and then just one day a week down at Yeovil where had a match? Yeah, in, in the end, I think it was the, the second, maybe the third year, maybe the third season, I don't know, the second season. But yeah, we used to train in London. So, uh, Graham would get all the London boys together and we used to do a session. Um, I think it was in St Albans way. Um, we used to do a session there and then travelling. So, was that the whole squad or just the London-based players? Just the London-based, London but it was 10, 12 of us, I think. Okay. You know, um, maybe. There's probably more, it's about half and half then. So, half. Like, yeah. Yeah, and then we used to come in and obviously do the one day at Yeovil. But, uh, yeah, so that makes yeah. the achievements even more commendable that you only train together as a group once a week. Yeah, but as, yeah, as I said, it was um, us mixing with the um, the Yeovil boys. It, it just did it off, so it, it was never an issue. So we just yeah. got on with it. And, uh, no, I'd, I'd, that. Read that. I'd read that before, so yeah. um, I just if it was uh, correct or not. Yeah, that stage of the season with the tide we had, we just, without sounding bolshy, we didn't we didn't feel as though we was going to get beat. So, no. again, and as, as Rick said, if you've got confidence and you're playing with confidence, it's hard to beat someone. So, um, yeah, we ended up with 103 points. That would be nice this year. Yeah, yeah. Should see you out of that league, that's for sure. You'd hope so, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, I think it was 103 points that Ebsfleet got, which got them promotion last season so a bit of symmetry there yeah yeah it's possible it's possible you've made you know you've retained most of your players so i can't see it being an issue as long as you hit the, hit the ground running so and good luck well we can yeah. but try 
But I think uh, as long as the chairman's in, in charge, as uh, he is at the moment, I mean, I think, you know, there is such a swell of enthusiasm going on at the moment. And, uh, you know, first game's on Saturday. If, if we if we win that, it doesn't matter whether we win 1-0 or 3-0. If that, that, that add that to the general um, feeling around the place, it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be lift-off time, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Like Mickey says, he'll know better than anybody that even with a... Um, it feels like a completely fresh start with the division that they find themselves in and all the off-the-field stuff getting sorted out. Um, Mickey, very quickly, when, as a player, just how much of... Uh, impact does that have on your own performances when there's stuff off the field that are really having sort of clouding um the club i guess have you ever been in that situation um no not when we was there um as i said to you Graham had everything organized we had a great or any club for that matter yeah no it's i've been quite fortunate it's, it, but it does it does cloud the football because off the field worries does it does get to the football like, there's no way you, whatever the way you want to put it it does uh, an impact, have an impact on, on what's going on. But when I was at Yeovil for the three years, as I said, we had a great chairman, we had a manager that let us do what we wanted to do. Uh, and we sort of like paid that back. So hopefully this is going to happen again um, with this current team and they can go on and climb up the leagues and play in the football league where they should be playing. Moving away from Yeovil then, we need to just round up a little bit of transfer chat because that's Hotting up with every podcast that we do, there's always a bit more. Um, there's more stories developing, and um, Rick, I'll come to you first because the Mason Mount deal has finally yep. gotten over the line. <coughs> Excuse me. Initially, fifty-five million, um, but what surprised me more so is that he's uh, managed to bag the number seven shirt as well. What have you made of the whole deal? Shows a commitment from Ten Hag, doesn't it? That this is a player he wants. He's going to. There is a. A legend around that number at United, which actually, looking at it, since it became a permanent number when you've got assigned numbers in the in the Premier League, since then there have been more failures than successes wearing the number seven. So let's hope that that, that changes with Mason Mount. But I, I just I just think it, for once it strikes me as being one of those ones where, as I said said on the pod previously, United aren't just chasing shirt sales in China; they've actually got somebody that the manager wants and fits into the system and he's young he's in his prime he's got great experience for a lad of that age as well and uh i don't know if you noticed it but he's also got different hair color than he had in his farewell to chelsea video so it would suggest that he made his mind up that he was leaving chelsea quite a little while ago I mean, to be fair, his, his mind probably was made up ages ago, but the two clubs took so long to agree a fee. It's probably no, no surprise, really. But he was, he was panicking a little bit when it looked like United were actually going to do the right thing. And if they were getting messed about by Chelsea, actually walk away from the deal. You imagine if you've negotiated with the club, you've got that sorted out. That's where you want to go. Ten Hag's promised you the number seven or whatever. And then the two clubs are fannying about and it might not happen. I know that he would never be short of offers, but at the same time, if that's the one that in your head that deal has been done, that's going to that's gonna play, with, play with your mind a little bit. But he's through the door now. It's nice to see. And um, yeah, hopefully another couple on the way, hopefully before the before the club fly off for the uh, pre-season games next week. Mickey, have you ever been in the, the, the uh, middle of a sort of tug-of-war type situation? 
Sorry, I didn't hear that. I said, have you ever been uh, 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 in the middle of a tug-of-war type situation between two clubs? Uh, yeah, funny enough, when I was at Yeovil, I don't know, um, we played, we got picked to play in the representative game, the England representative game. We played, I can't remember where it was now, but there was a number of players from Gloucester City at the time. Uh, and I played, set up a couple of goals and played extremely well. And a couple of weeks later, the Gloucester manager... Uh, inquired about me going to them. But, um, obviously, Graham didn't let the, the move come around. I, thought, I think it was something around a 40,000 mark, but um, that never occurred, um, which I was glad at. But, you know, my mind was made up to play for yoga anyway. But just, yeah, that was one of them tug of war things you're on about. Yeah, yeah. That must have been a nice feeling, Mickey. Oh, so it's brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always brilliant, Dave, to, I mean, first to come play in, in an England shirt is, is exceptional. Um, and it just so happens that I had one of my better games that night. And again, uh, as the boys would tell you on there, if, if you play well, you get noticed. And I was just lucky enough to play well that night. Anyway, I stayed at Yeovil. That's the main thing. Excellent. <laughs> um, AD, sticking with United, which is not something I always like to say on this podcast, but now that the Mount Dale is through the door, it seems as though there's a bid that's gone in for the inter goalkeeper, um, Banana. I just wanted to, it feels weird saying that, um, I just wanted to flag up with you what you thought about that, because I know that you're probably, in a, as a supporter, you've sort of um, made the argument that you think it probably is the right time for a new goalkeeper. But with all this issue with rescinding a contract for De Gea and now trying to renegotiate it, etc., does this mean that they're looking to now go in a completely different direction? Or do you think they'll try and look to keep them both on for the next season? Well, I think... I think the first thing to say is I, I, I don't understand um, how you could get yourself into a situation where you've agreed on a contract um, and then the next thing you know they suddenly ring her up and say, oh, sorry about this, we've changed our mind, it's going to be this now, not that. I, I can't get my head around that at all. And although, yes, uh, De Gea has made a few dodgy uh, saves of late and, uh, you know, I must admit I was getting a little bit rattled with it because he's, it kept happening. But having said all that, uh, he has been a, a, a terrific ser uh, servant of the club over the, the last, I think it's 12 years he's been at the club now. And and yeah, OK, he, he might have dropped a few, but it's always, a, goalkeeper makes a mistake. It's so highlighted, isn't it? Because you, you've got nowhere to hide. You, you drop the ball or whatever and it, it leads to a goal. You've had it. So He must be up there with one of United's longest serving players is he for 12 years so, yeah i don't know exactly the, the numbers but um so I, th I think the way they've treated him is, is 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 pretty disrespectful to be honest um but it doesn't surprise me because there there are a few people up there that don't seem to understand and then to start dropping him congratulations on his on his wedding day i know it's an obvious thing to do but under the circumstances it does seem rather rather bizarre you know so um yeah, I mean, we do need another goalkeeper, I think. And if they are definitely going to not re-sign him, which seems to have been a possibility, then I guess this guy is as probably as good as anybody that's around. Although Hugo keeps telling us we ought to be signing the guy from Porto. So, um, but he would have probably been a bit more money, I guess. And, I mean, I think it's obvious that they've all been sort of blown away by his performance against Manchester City. But I mean... I didn't notice him making that many startling saves, did you, in the final? 
Not like November, anyway. What do you think, Rick? Because, I mean, it's a girl... Am I right in thinking that... Did he have a ban not long ago, so he didn't actually play a lot of football? And then he... It's, whether it's to do with, I don't know, missing a drugs test or something. I appreciate that's probably a really bad sweeping statement from me if I've got that wrong. Yeah. But I'm sure that, um, that there was something like that. He's obviously a bit of a, a character because I think he... Was it the World Cup where he... I don't know he threatened to walk away from from the squad in Cameroon. Yeah, you know, a bit of a Roy Keane, if you like, with the Irish situation in 2002. But regardless of that, it's, it's quite clear that he's, he's a good goalkeeper. But do you think this is a case of being one or the other? Uh, as far as watching the European Cup final, I still haven't and won't. So I couldn't tell you how he played in that game. But uh, the clips I have seen, I've seen some, some um, highlight clips of him. And he puts me in mind of Fabian Bartes, who was... United's keeper when I was going out to Old Trafford a lot and he kept you on your toes there was a lot of talk that he was all this talk of um, you know Alisson and Edison or they could play outfield Fabian Bartes actually did play outfield for United albeit on a a pre-season tour but he came on and and played on the left wing so it's the sort of keeper that as we keep hearing the modern game requires but the like I say, the, the pieces of... Sounds uh, like Inter want too much money, though, Rick. Yeah, but that's the Man United tax, isn't it? So uh, they got around that one with Mason Mount, so hopefully he could do it again with Anana. I think it's certainly preferable to um, other options that have been, been mentioned, like um, Jordan Pickford, for example, someone like that. I th- and, and as far as De Gea goes, it's strange that the worst managers in the history worst managers, worst owners in the history of uh, professional football should treat somebody badly. And he, he's not going to come back and renegotiate another pay pay cut. So I think that ship's probably sailed. And he's the last, I think he's now that um, Phil Jones has gone as well. The last remaining United player that's got a Premier League winner's medal is now out the door. So it's, it's a bit unfortunate and it's, the usual United transfer dealings, it's, it's ended in a pretty tacky, tacky sort of way. Mickey, I'll come can, to you. Can you see um, anyone, can you see anyone um, challenging City? I was listening to a podcast today, actually, and it seems like it, the way these, these guys, and I, th- and I agree with what they were saying, it's like if you were to pick now a top four for next season, there's only one team that you would guarantee would be in that top four because it's extended beyond the top six. You've got yeah. the likes of Villa looking good now. Newcastle yeah. coming as well. You could even go down as far as Brentford as maybe not challenging the top four, but certainly being in the top half of the table. Yeah. So beneath the, um, the 115 club, then the, the Premier League does look like it's got that competitiveness that um, they've always wanted it to wanted it to have. You wouldn't be surprised if any of them were in the top four. Yeah. Mickey, I, I ought to explain to you, Rick's got a bit of an obsession with the 115 number. Um, you, you know what he's <laughs> referring to, I'm sure. Yeah. 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 No problem with that, mate. No who's, who's, your, who's your team, Mickey? Are you, are you happy to disclose that on, on the show if you, if you do have an allegiance? Yeah, I will say rather embarrassingly, it is Tottenham Hotspurs. Now we're on about oh. transfer dealings and football. oh oh Rick Rick we can team up. We, for I was a just going to say we, we, we 
came we came very very close then to um my your opinion of me falling through the floor <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is rick i totally agree with that well the new the new fellas come in who knows uh, who knows what it's going to be but it can't be any less or less embarrassing than that way it has been for the last couple of seasons but you, you know you stick by your club who knows of course you who do knows? of course you do are you, what, what's the manager's name, Ange? <laughs> yeah, go on. I can't Ange. even what's pronounce that? it. Ange. Well, Ange. 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 Him, because you've gone down the Jose and um, Conte route, obviously very high profile, and that hasn't really worked. So maybe this is the kind of appointment that might just um, surprise a few people. It, it might do, Dave. I mean, what what isn't alarming about it is the managers, the high profile managers, were there as soon as they've left off and they've gone on and won something. Mm. So. Um, you know, who's to say? Who knows? But he's, uh, he certainly needs to go up there. Hopefully this man can, or this manager can come in and do it. Who well, knows? The, football, the football's got to be better, hasn't it? It's got to be more attractive. Yeah, yeah I mean, yes. Some of the tactics. I mean, if I'm honest with you, Rick, um, when Spurs were on, I, I couldn't even be bothered to watch them. And, and, you know, it's um, it was boring. It was dull. Um, let's hope he changes it. Who knows? It's, let's get some of the old football back. And at least if you're going to get beat, you get a beat during the game. Well, Matt Madison looks like a, a signing in the right direction for that anyway. Creative. I agree with you, Rick. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, we've needed a 10, another 10 for ages. So, yeah, he might just, you know, deliver something that we need. Who knows? Do you yeah. go to watch him very often, Ricky? I've been a couple of times. A fabulous stadium, fabulous training ground. But that don't win you any games, Eddie, does it? It's, um, I've been to watch him a few times, yeah. Um, and come away disappointed, unfortunately. Yeah. Great setup, yeah. Just need just need a, a team to start delivering really. Um, sticking with um, the management side of things, and um, Gav, if you're there and you can hear me, just just checking. Can you hear me, Gav? Yeah, I can. Yeah. Yeah, he's here. No, good. Um, so, Leeds United have finally uh, appointed their their man, and they've gone with Daniel Farker. Of course, has got two promotions. I thought um, that was with Leeds. Norwich. Right? Did I did I not say Leeds? No, you. Well, I thought you were talking about Luton, but I don't know. No, did I said Leeds. I didn't you say Leeds. You, you confused me by correcting a mistake I didn't make. That was odd. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, Gav, Leeds United and Farker. Um, is that a match made in heaven? Do you think? No, he he done okay with Norwich, didn't he? Got him there. I think he got a match from the Championship to the Premiership, and then uh, twice. He's been twice. Open. Oh, was it twice, was it? Yeah, and then he's yep. been over in... Um, Canoba he, <laughs> he was managing back in Germany, wasn't he? Yes, he was, yeah. Um, so, uh, he, he was a bit unlucky the there, really. Yeah, he got sacked in the, at the end of the summer. But he's someone who's familiar with the English game and um, familiar with the championship as well. So I think, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's a good fit for Leeds. But knowing the Leeds board, they probably uh, won't last till, till the clocks go back. <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they uh, are sort of up there with the bookies' favourites. I'm sure that they will be because 
Rick, of just looking at, at Leicester, for, for instance. They've all brought a coach who's been on Man- Manchester City um, ranks, but they've brought in the likes of Wink and Con Cody, who, from a fan's perspective, might not be razzmatazz, but they're certainly sensible signings that you would think would make them up there. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? And they've got the. the do you think they would be? The, do you think they're they're just about the favourites, Leicester, compared to the others? Well, you'd think so because you look at, as was said all through last season, you look at Leicester's squad and how they managed to get themselves in that position is quite remarkable with the players they had. But I see Soyuncu's uh, move to Atletico Madrid today, so the the Premier League players are gradually getting picked off, and they're going to have to replace those with folks that they know can do a job in the in the championship really but they've got they should have every, every opportunity their, their training facilities are, are second to none and the club is set up as a premier league club so you you wouldn't want them it's just similar thing to you isn't it you wouldn't want them to spend too many division too many seasons in the lower division you'd hope that they were one of the ones that could bounce straight back and get back in the premier league the three teams that went down day they're all favorites with the bookie on the uh at focus looks at Leicester nine to two, Leeds thirteen to two, and Saints at seven to one. Then it then comes Middlesbrough and Norwich. So, but bookies don't always get it right, do they? No. Well, AD probably knows that more than anyone when it comes to the bookies. <laughs> and me, I was at Ascot. <laughs> Come back with no shirt on from Ascot. <laughs> well, you don't obviously follow the right horses, young Gavin. <laughs> I know. Thankfully, my mate, Mr. Millman, had a double for me this week. 12 to 1 and 14 to 1. So uh, that's the way to do it. Anyway, 50p each way. You you do well there, Rach. Yeah. Oh, a little bit of uh, breaking news. I didn't actually realise that they were playing now, but we've been following the England Mm. and the 21s. And um, they have uh, made their way into the final for the first time since 2009 because they beat Israel 3-0 tonight. Oh, that's good. So, well, we did um, say the other week, didn't we, that they, or the, on the previous pod, they beat them in a group, didn't they? So you'd be surprised if they didn't actually get through in a one-off game. So uh, any idea who they're going to play in the final? Uh, good question. The winner yeah. of the other semi-final. The winner of the other semi-final. Who yeah. Yeah. Gaff, Spain you know and that? Ukraine. Yeah, Spain and Ukraine. They're and they play... At eight o'clock. Spain and there Ukraine. There you go. It's a nice little rhyming couplet, that, as well. I quite like that. Um, sticking with Spain, sort of, um, Luis Enrique, of course, Spanish manager, he's been announced as a Paris coach. Um, because we've literally been talking about um, high-profile managers. There was another one who was possibly linked to go in at Spurs early on in the, in the window, and I think a few people were surprised that he's gone to Paris because I think people thought he might have had a bit more of a um, a higher standard of league overall that he might have had his eye on. What do you, what have you made of this one? Is that Rick or Mick? Oh, Mickey, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you can have that one. <laughs> now, yeah, I'm, I'm quite surprised. I'm, I'm quite surprised he's gone there. He's, um, I mean, let's, again, as I said to you earlier, Going back to our manager for Tottenham, just coming away from it. Um, has he really got any pedigree or background? Uh, I know he's won uh, with Celtic, but I mean, I, I could probably go into management and win uh, it, it Celtic, but 
it, it remains to be seen. It's, um, I mean, we've got some tough fixtures, as, as Rick said earlier. We've got, I think you've got more teams now that are going to be there or thereabouts and challenging for points. It isn't easy now in the Premier League to get in the top six. I think, um, you know, with your Newcastle, as you just said, and other teams like that, I think it's getting more and more. Um, Tottenham used to be uh, regarded as being in the top four cup, but at the moment, I mean, we've missed out on Europe again. Um, and if you don't make some dramatic signings at the back, I think we're going to, uh, you know, be a mid-table side again. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a tough one, but... Do you, Mickey, do you think, uh, I noticed this week that, oh, today in fact, I saw it on a uh, website, that uh, Carlo Ancelotti has now been uh, agreed to do the manager's job for Brazil. Um, so presumably he will just do that and not be manager of uh, Real Madrid as well. Uh, that could have a sort of a major effect on the, the sort of the whole of European football in a way, in, in the context that, you know, suddenly Real Madrid are not necessarily going to be the top guns without... Ancelotti, because it's, think... it's a year's time, isn't it? Eh? Yeah. Isn't it 20, 2024 yeah, he's doing but it's, it. It's going to have a mm. huge effect, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but a club like Madrid, who, um, I mean, they're going to attract the, the major managers. They? So if he goes on, I want to thought it'd be too long for a high profile manager goes to Madrid because obviously the club's so vast and big. So you'll get someone goes into his <coughs> shoes um, sooner rather than later, really. Well, this is why I was sort of a little bit surprised in a way that um, Luis Enrique went to Paris, um, Rick. Well, he's not, he's not so, going to go to Madrid, is it? Yeah, because... Um, You've not thought that through, have you? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, quite. Um, well, Figo did it. It will be the other way around. <laughs> yeah, and he had a goat's head. Or was it a pig's head thrown at him? So, uh, yeah, they're not keen on it. Yeah. But Nagelsmann... Will it be, he be taking a job, do you think, now that he's got a 12-month run-up to this one? This is the job he obviously wants. So I'd be surprised if he takes another big job in Europe. Well, this is the problem, isn't it? Because um, I'm just trying to think of managers that... I know this happened before. It almost happened with Poch, didn't it, before he went to Chelsea? That if you leave it... If you want to leave it for that right club, but then you leave it too long, like, yeah. definitely you miss out. you've missed out on that opportunity. So it's a bit of a gamble. Same with Zidane as well in the French national. Law. What was that? Uh, same, same with Zidane in the French national job because I think he was kind of waiting out for that, and then Deschamps went and signed a new contract. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's the thing with the Madrid one. Even if they don't get another manager sorted out, there's the odds that um, Zidane could go back and do it again for a third time. Yeah. For the yeah. third time, yeah, he probably would do. That's what I mean. So. They're not going to be managing us for long. I want to fall. He doesn't seem Zidane doesn't seem keen on managing anywhere else, does he? he just no, not really. He either wants the national job or that one, by the looks of it. He doesn't need another job. He understands well, the club. Sticking with management, we've only got around about five minutes left to go or so. But um, Gav, I'll come to you because you probably would have seen that it broke last night that. Um, Forrest Green let go of, of Duncan Ferguson, and um, and they've employed. Uh, first team coach um, Hannah Dingley, and who will be the first female to coach um, or an, an interim basis, um, a men's um, first team. What did you make of that decision? Well, first of all, I was shocked when the news broke that Duncan Ferguson had um, 
been uh, released because it seems that he was sacked rather than mutual con- yeah. contention, say, or left to his own board because uh, apparently the day before he released details of the um, pre-season plan in an interview. So I don't think he saw it come in. And then later in the evening when news break that the first um, female coach in the uh, top four divisions, I think, uh, I think it's an end, so it's a good thing because there's a lot of obviously females in the media now. On the, obviously, women's football has come on leaps and bounds, and then there's a lot of female presenters on that. So it was a. Uh, You're not referring to David, I hope. There. <laughs> so uh, it was inevitable that on the men's coach that a female would eventually. So uh, it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting to see how she gets on. And uh, see where Duncan Ferguson ends up next. Uh, but according to Mr. Vet, uh, what's his name? Dale Vince, isn't it? Something like that. Dale Vince. Yeah. yeah. Dale Vince. According to him, they've left as good pals. I quote. <laughs> so, probably. I wonder probably what Duncan Ferguson thinks about that. Duncan F- Ferguson probably thinks at last I can have a bacon sandwich. Yeah. Without <laughs> <laughs> like getting told off on the channel. Yeah, yeah exactly. Gab, do you think it's significant that she's going in as a interim coach, which almost gives that little bit of a get-out if, for whatever reason, they feel it's not the right way to go, for whatever reason, where, you know, depending on how they feel that, you know, she gets yeah, on in that sort of environment? It's, yeah, if it was, you know, if it wasn't. Um, Keeping his options open, isn't he? Yeah, and if it was a bolt out of the blue that, Duncan Ferguson did, and then they just thought, well, we've got to appoint someone because obviously pre-season started. Some teams have already had their first friendlies, haven't they? But we say Yeovil's got a Saturday, so Forest Green must be back into uh, into the swing of things. So, mm-hmm. like you say, if it's only on the caretaker basis and it doesn't work out, they can say, well, you know, at least we tried. At least we gave a female an opportunity, and if it works out, but she should be judged like all the uh, male counterparts because it's obviously see a lot of you know a lot of uh males managing in the um in the women's game isn't there up and down the country and around yeah. the world so uh why should phil neville's a good example he was uh he managed their lionesses didn't they before going over to um the states to work on the backs that didn't end well did it so um good luck to her let's see it let's we will watch with interest see how it goes it's interesting that it wasn't Emma Hayes because I think that was the, the name that everybody assumed from the female side of the game would go into, if anyone was going to break into male management, it was going to be her. And she's uh, obviously staying at Chelsea. So uh, somebody's sort of stolen stolen her thunder a little bit. Yeah, I think it was on The Athletic. Yeah, I think it was on The Athletic. They um, said that it, I thought it might have been in the last round of... Um, managerial interviews at Forest Green or might have been the time before that, that um, one of their standout candidates was someone from the uh, Women's Super League, but they didn't disclose who that was. And then eventually they did decide to go, obviously, down the down the male route. So it'll be interesting to see if obviously that does uh, become more of a more of a thing we start to see um, moving forward. But in terms of Right here, right now. I think that's probably just about out of time. Am I right, Aid? Yeah, you've got 30 seconds to finish it off. Okay, so um, I'll go to you, Mickey, and say thank you very much for joining us this evening. It's great to hear from you. 
No, you're welcome. It's always a pleasure to come on. So, uh, you know, take care, Eddie, Dave, Rick, Romy. I hope you enjoyed it. And Gav, uh, nice to speak to you all. Well, yeah, hope, thank hopefully you'll you come back much, again, Mickey. Yeah, we're waiting for you to invite me and Lorraine down, Ed. And we'll come down and watch one of the games. Yeah. I'm sure you'll put us up in an hotel again. So, uh, I'm <laughs> there you go, Dave. That's Cocom story for one match. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Uh, Gav, your internet didn't drop out, so uh, great news and well, thanks for joining us. Thank you, thanks everyone. Rick, thank you very much as always. Always a pleasure, always a pleasure. And a farewell from me, Dave Pryor, as well as AD Hopper will do the business. Yeah, all Here's I me. can say is thank you everybody for joining us and make sure you join us again for Football Bloody Hell. Oh.